Welcome to Good Health, brought to you by Good Shepherd Healthcare System in the KOHU studio. I'm Caitlin, the host for Good Health. We have an exciting program this morning as we have officially welcomed our new president and CEO, Art Matheson, to our community. And he's here with us today to get to know him and his plans for our healthcare system. Art, welcome and thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. It's great to be here. So you've been Good Shepherd's CEO for just over a month now. What has that been like? Well, it's been great overall. I think the first week was a bit of a surprise with me having to get uh, health care from our great team at the hospital. I uh, had a bit of a knee problem and actually had to go and uh, get some minor surgery in, in one of our operating rooms and the team did great and I'm back to full health, thankfully. And as my wife said to me, well, it's good that you do what you do and are so close to the people that, uh, that can help you be well. And so thanks to the team and all those involved across the hospital for the great care that they provided me and, and the great care that I see them providing every day to our patients and our community. Well, what a true test, you know, your first uh, couple weeks there and you're already going through the healthcare system, you know, seeking care. That's amazing. Yes, it, it's, <laughs> it was amazing, not the way I planned to do it. And uh, I had a buddy of mine that said, well, that's really one great way to get to see your team perform mm -hmm. in, in what they do every day. And so... Uh, if I had my druthers, I would have done it a differently and not had my knee uh, surgically repaired uh, in minor surgery. But that's the way it happened, and I went with it. And it was great uh, to see our employees in many different specialties, our, our clinical folks, obviously, in the ED, um, our CRNAs, our surgeons, our nurses, mm -hmm. um, but also... Uh, folks from patient registration, mm -hmm. uh, from radiology, from the lab, mm -hmm. and many others. Uh, you know, I think that if you're going to come in and see things really quickly, that's the way to do it, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> uh, but overall, uh, it's been a great, I think now I'm in fifth week, uh, so just over a month, and I think that it's everything what I expected to be and even more. And it's exciting to be here. Uh, it's a great community. And really what I've been doing has been in learning mode and trying to understand what is really a busy hospital and organization and quite complex as far as uh, the number of services and specialties we have uh, providing care to, to this community every day. Yes, it's impressive. Um, and how do you like Eastern Oregon so far? Have you had some time to explore? I've had a little bit of time. One of the things when I came and interviewed, I, I really didn't get a chance to branch out. And I've had that opportunity a bit, although I'm looking forward to going to different places uh, surrounding this community. What I found out from folks at the hospital and others is that there's a lot of really fun places to go to and that Hermiston is really kind of in, in the central uh, part of many different things around it to mm -hmm. include mountains, um, other fun places to go. One thing that really surprised me and I got this from one of our department heads is 
I went to the Columbia River, I think the second weekend, no, it was the first weekend I was here because then I had my knee, so it had to be the, the first weekend. Um, I went and ran on the trail at the Columbia River. I had never seen um, the Columbia River up front mm-hmm. uh, because when I came here, I think it was uh, it was at night when I flew in and, and started here. And what uh, an amazing experience that was for me. I never would have thought something like that was only 15 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, lots of lots of fun so far and just looking forward to exploring uh, different different places in the future yes I think that's a common denominator when we're recruiting physicians here and such with their families they really like how centrally located it is so it's very nice to be uh, connected and and able to get somewhere quickly Um, and tell us about your family do you have extended family close by I have extended family close by. I have uh, our middle child, Emma, who is stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington, where we were actually stationed for seven years of my Army career. Uh, Emma's a first lieutenant, and actually she came and visited, uh, unbeknownst to myself, uh, a couple weeks ago. She just texted me and said, hey, Dad, I'd like to drive over and stay the weekend and it was actually the first weekend I was in my house so I said well of course come on over but bring a pillow <laughs> blankets sheets a towel because I hadn't even unboxed one box mm-hmm. yet and so she came and uh, we actually went to the rodeo together on Saturday night and so it was really fun so it's great to have her about four hours away we have our youngest child, Sam, and his wife, Liv, uh, stationed at Fort Irwin, California. And so that's a little bit further than a, an easy four-hour drive, but it's close enough that we're going to visit them or they're going to come and visit us several times. And actually, I'm flying down to them uh, two weekends from now just to visit and enjoy uh, some of the the California mountains, and so we have those two nearby. Um, and then my dad is is a snowbird, so he goes from Maine back to Utah. Um, we're not really sure of how what his cycle will be as far as which months he's going to come and go, um, but uh, he'll probably be back sometime in the winter and enjoy you know the the southern Utah weather, which is somewhat similar to what we have here. And so look, looking forward to seeing him. And so, yeah, it's great to be on this side of the country near two of our children. Now, our oldest is remaining for now in Maine, and uh, we'll go back and see them periodically. But we spent the last eight years with Blair, our oldest, and, and his wife, Brooke. And so it's, it's nice to spread out our time with our other two children who have been away on the West Coast. Right. Excellent. And you came to our Hermiston community after residing in Conway, New Hampshire, where you were CEO of Memorial Hospital. Tell us about your experience leading that hospital. Well, it was a great experience. I think like most of us, if not all of us, it was a surprising experience after five months of being there, the pandemic hit. And I'll always remember spending time on a conference call because before the pandemic you did very little zoom right (laughs) we just did conference calls and i was with our emergency manager of the hospital will and they were talking about something 
that might be coming our way called COVID-19. And I whispered to Will and I said, do you think this is real? <laughs> and we laughed about it after the fact because it was January of 2020. And he whispered back in my ear, I think it's real. Mm -hmm. And I said to him many months later, said, boy, you are more right than I ever wanted you to be. And, um, and so most of my time at Memorial was dealing with the pandemic and uh, trying to be the hospital that uh, our community deserved to have and really being the, the, the healthcare leader of the Mount Washington Valley, uh, which would be similar to uh, Umatilla County here. It was really the county um, where we had 30,000-ish residents and patients that came to our hospital. So it was probably two of the hardest, most difficult years of my career, but also very rewarding to lead a team that, that did so many great things um, during a really tough time. Yeah, it, absolutely. I think it was hard for all of us. <laughs> absolutely, it was. <laughs> no matter which hospital and where. Um, so why did you choose to be Good Shepherd's next CEO? Well, I read this uh, earlier this morning, and I, I would say I definitely made a decision, but uh, I was also chosen by our board, and, and hopefully, I'm, I'm told anyway, by a number of staff that interviewed me and were asked uh, to give their input. And so uh, I'd like to thank all involved uh, for their faith in, in me to come and be the next CEO. It really... Initially, it's funny how things happen, and, and over the years, especially my younger years as a leader, I was told, you really need to network and get to know people in the industry. And early on, I, I sort of said, okay, I'll, I'll kind of do that. I'm not sure if it's really going to be meaningful. Um, in this case, it really was. And so uh, I really wasn't actively looking. I was, I would say, perusing different jobs that came open and on, on, on certain sites. And um, I saw this position and I actually messaged a buddy of mine that was not leading the effort to, to fill my position, but was working in the same company, recruitment company. And he came back to me and said, would you be willing to go out west? I said, well, I used to live in the Pacific Northwest, so I'm not familiar with Hermiston, but I really liked living out there, and um, and the rest is really history. And I I got an opportunity to come in first interview with the board, and then they wanted me and my wife Jen to come back, which of course we did, and interviewed with many folks over two days. And uh, fortunately, uh, I was selected, and um, and it's really great to be here. My wife will be here in about two and a half weeks, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Yes, we're very happy to have you here, Art. And so you said earlier that you had already lived in the Pacific Northwest. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. I actually was initially in the Army as an infantryman. So I went in as a, a private, you know, at the, starting out at the, the, the first rank that you get um, as an enlisted soldier. And uh, my wife and I had gotten married and we were stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington for my first tour. I got out of the Army after my enlistment was done, went back to school at University of Maine, 
and, uh, and then graduated, did ROTC, and they sent me back to Fort Lewis as a lieutenant. And I was there that time for about five and a half years. We actually had uh, two of our children, Emma and Sam, uh, at Madigan Army Medical Center, which is the big tertiary care hospital there. And so we just loved it there. It's one of the most favorite popular installations to be stationed at in the Army. And uh, it's a place that people really want to try to get to because it's it's beautiful. And so really like that. And what happened is I got out of the Army and I never planned on going back up to what I call the Great White North, which is <laughs> Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. Um, and it just so happens that the right job came up and so pulled me up there and I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll go up here and try not to freeze. I am from Maine, but I spent a lot of my years in warmer places and I really enjoyed being warmer than being cold. And that's just me. And so um, didn't really know that I was coming to a place that was quite this warm. It, it's sort of an anomaly when you know everything west of here, like I do over the Cascades is much different, but I really like it. And I, I don't mind the heat when it's heat like this. I'm used to really humid, mm. uncomfortable Florida type uh, heat. And uh, this is a whole lot better. And so really enjoying it. And I've heard that the months of September and October are the best months here. And so I'm talking it up with my wife. Um, she's, <laughs> she's looking forward to experiencing that. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to, to only maybe getting a few inches of snow rather than <laughs> what we got last year was, I think we got four or five feet total through the winter. It was a really hard winter. And um, yeah, we're excited about that. But if somebody needs a shovel, as we were talking about earlier, I think we got four or five somewhere in a box in my house and so uh, hopefully we won't need shovels too much this upcoming winter though you would be well prepared i'm well prepared yes. if, if people need an expertise on snow removal that's nothing to brag about but uh, i'm definitely experienced there well i remember you mentioning about shoveling uh snow off of your roof will you tell our listeners about that <laughs> well yeah basically what happens is you get so much snow on your roof and i think at the time it was springtime so the snow was starting to thaw and i had about two feet over my entire roof two feet of snow and then it melts and then the water drains underneath um your shingles and then it freezes and it lifts up your shingles and then you get water leaks that come you know through your ceiling and so what you get is a snow rake and it's basically a rake that has a handle that's approximately 15 to 20 feet long and you stand out below your roof and you try to rake off the snow and what happened to me is I raked off the snow on top of me because we had so much still up there and this is April we had two feet of snow still on the ground as well and so um yeah that was uh you know after a while it's it's winter is great it's nice to have snow for the holiday season it's nice if you're a skier which i am but after a while my wife and i getting a little bit older not mm -hmm. wanting to um, go and shovel snow and hurt our backs it's nice to not have to be thinking about 
uh, winter time in getting around because it, it, it can be strenuous and it's, it's not easy when you're getting two feet of snow and you, you got to try to go to work or try mm -hmm. to go buy groceries. And right. so we, we're all, we talk about that often, my wife and I, and how we're excited to have what, what others may think is a cold winter here, which mm -hmm. to us, it's right. all relative and based off of your experiences. Mm -hmm. um, we probably won't think it's cold for the first uh, couple of winters until we get more acclimated to mm -hmm. this environment. But yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Well, it's great perspective for us <laughs> to hear about your experience back there. So um, let's get back to talking about um, your career as CEO. Um, what do you consider to be one of your greatest achievements as a chief executive officer? I keep on going back to maybe because it's so cemented in my mind as it probably should be and probably because it was only a few years ago but I think if I'm going to talk about me and my achievements which I really don't like doing but since you asked the question I'll <laughs> talk about it um, I, I was just part of uh, part of the process and part of the success you, you hope that you can have great people around you as a leader and uh, just do your best to lead them every day and take care of them so that they can do their jobs, which is essentially at a hospital, taking care of the people that come through the door that are sick, inflicted, and need healthcare professionals to help them be well or more comfortable. And so I would say if I were looking at my, my if I had any success that I can really speak to, Definitely, I would point to the two years of the pandemic, the two what I call the, the heavy, heavy lifting years, mm -hmm. which is 2020 and 2021. And uh, what we did during that time, the state came to us and they were not handling, they were not handling as well as they wanted to all of the vaccination clinics throughout the state. So in New Hampshire, New, in different states did it differently, but New Hampshire managed the vaccination sites. And if you remember the big deal of getting vaccinated and people wanted it because it was sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And so they asked us, well, could you take over in the Mount Washington Valley, the, the vaccination clinic? And we didn't have any space in our hospital. We, we were really busy and had limited space. And mm -hmm. so I talked with my senior team and I said, and everybody agreed, how could we not take on this mission? It was literally the most important thing we could do at that time. And so we went back to the state and we said, yeah, we'll take it on. And this was very early, like only a couple weeks after the initial vaccine came out. Um, and so that was really the beginning of us showing the community that we were the healthcare leader of the community if they needed something, we were best prepared and equipped to help them. And uh, everything um, went from there and it was very positive. It was hard work, it was tiring. Um, the staff uh, definitely felt like I think at times they were getting burnt out, but we were doing our jobs. And at the end of the day, if you can say, hey, I did my job, I did it to the best of my ability, um, then I think you can, you can say, well, there was some success there and you got to be happy with that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, something you said earlier that really resonates with me is, is you said we want to be, we wanted to be the hospital that our community deserves. Um, and I think that that's so important. Um, yes. So, so what are your plans for Good Shepherd Healthcare System? I know you're, you've only been here just over a month, Art, but um, if you could surmise kind of in general some of your plans, tell us about that. I have so many things in my head right now, so I'm just trying to <laughs> encapsulate and be succinct here. I would say, first of all, to your point, I've only been here a month, and I'm really trying, after being a CEO uh, for eight years, going, this is my ninth year, I've learned going into organization, unless something really needs to be changed now, I'm truly trying to, to use you know, my eyes and ears and try to understand how the organization got here. And with, with having the intent of once I know that, I can really know what direction we're going to need to go. And so right now I'm just trying to find where I'm on the map in the middle of the desert, mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then I can say, well, if I'm here on the map and we want to get over here. How are we going to get there? Mm -hmm. What I would tell you is this day and age, um, at a critical access designated hospital, which we are, um, <clears throat> however, in many ways, we're more like a mid-sized community hospital as far as the, the services that we provide, not only our, our community, our patients, but also our own employees. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the things that really impressed me. But with that being said, I think we have a great opportunity uh, with uh, an aging population. You know, for the last 25 years, I've been hearing about the baby boomers are mm -hmm. going to be at a point where they're going to need a significant amount of health care, um, which is understandable. And uh, now we're here. And so 2020 used to be that, the, okay, in 2020 is going to be when there's a huge demand for healthcare on many different specialties and services. And I think people were right about that. We're here, we're doing our best. Um, I think we're doing okay across the country, but we can always strive to do better. And where I think we at Good Shepherd can really focus on, focus on is what services are we not providing or what services are we not providing enough, enough of mm -hmm. that we need to increase or come up with um, a way to start new different types of specialties, for example, so that our patients, our community members that come to our hospital don't need to travel. And so getting that care close to home is the term I like to use. And that's one of the things when I talk about being in the hospital or the, the healthcare organization our community deserves to have. That means a hundred different things, mm -hmm. but to me, the more we can expand our ambulatory and outpatient services, mm -hmm. um, the better we are supporting our community. Mm -hmm. And sure, we only have 25 beds, but a lot of things these days are outpatient, more so than 20, 30 years ago. And that, that trend I don't think is going to decrease and so we need to maximize that as much as possible. And I can't get into the finer details, but we're already discussing um, a few different services and specialties that uh, I would like to bring on or expand 
um, in the very near future. And so that's exciting. It's the right work that we need to be doing for our community and our patients. Absolutely. And, you know, Good Shepherd has over 800 employees. Uh, we're one of the largest employers in, in this area. Um, what's it been like leading the Good Shepherd family of healthcare workers? It's been great. I'm not the best at names, and mm -hmm. so I've had to ask the same people a few different times. For example, if their if their ID badge, like mine just was, was uh, was uh, not facing the right direction, and I can't see the name, and so that's real important to me. Um, I actually rounded yesterday with our uh, house supervisor, our nurse supervisor, uh, that was on in the afternoon, and got to talk with with some of our employees. And uh, it was funny, one of them, I, I stopped and asked who, who she was and what she did. And she tried to downplay uh, the work that she does at the hospital, very humble. And uh, one of our surgeons came by and overheard her being humble and downplaying what she, what she does. And uh, the surgeon said, oh, uh, don't believe her. She does a whole <laughs> lot more than that. And we all laughed. And she actually admitted to me that she tried to avoid me going down the hall. So and then she said, and now I'm getting all red. And I said, well, don't I said, don't don't worry about it. I said, um, you know, I started and I told her how I started in the army right at the, the, the beginning type job as a private, as an infantryman and worked my way up. And so um, most of us, that's what most of us have, have done. And it was great to get to know her and what she does. And I just like the spirit of our employees mm -hmm. and our community. It's a strong spirit, um, at times a, a fighting spirit of mm -hmm. to do what's right and to do what they believe in. and. Um, when you have a group of people that live here, that, that work here, that raise their family here, mm -hmm. and they have good values, that's an easy team to lead. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason why um, my wife and I wanted to come here because it's, it's all about fit sometimes. And we felt like we fit in really well with this community and with this team at Good Shepherd. And it's really exciting. Well said, yes. Um, so let's get to know your background a bit more. Where were you born and raised and where did you attend school? I was born in Portland, Maine, and I grew up in the Bangor, Maine area, which is about two, two hours north uh, of Portland. You go up 95 for two hours and you get to Bangor, Maine area. I'm the oldest of six boys. and. Uh, and yeah, I grew up in a really small town where we had a, a country store a, a couple houses away from ours. And the owner of the country store was like the mayor of the town. Literally one store in, in the whole town. I mean, I grew up in the country of Maine. Now we were 20 minutes from Bangor, which is probably the size of one of our tri-cities. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a great way to grow up, uh, worked hard, was taught the values that I think I've brought uh, to my children and to um, how I lead. And my parents were really strict, um, especially with their oldest. I think that's often typical. They wanted to get it right. And I, I, I'd like to think that they got it right. 
um, and, and certainly work to make them proud to this day. And, uh, and yeah, so that, that was me. And, and I decided to go in the Army because I was patriotic and I thought it would be something I could do a good job at. And, and that certainly worked out well for me. Yes, so 25-year career in the military. Uh, Why did you choose to venture into that? Well, the patriotic part, I think, is something that I've always had instilled in me. Um, You know, our flag, what what, what our flag stands for, what our servicemen and women do each day. I always have said and said when I was in and say now, what they give is just so amazing. And I wanted to be part of that. I also fell in love with a 17 year old young woman who now has been with me, uh, luckily, thankfully, (laughs) for 33 years, my wife, Jen. And it was a way to get our life started. And uh, we, we started dating at 17, 18. We got married at 20 and 21. And she followed me to my first duty station at Fort Lewis. And 30 years later, here we are. And so um, there were a number of things. I didn't think I was going to stay in the Army for my, more than my uh, requirement. And then things fell into place. And before I knew it, I was coming up on 20 years. And it was a great opportunity to serve my country and to serve beside great leaders, uh, great Americans. And now I'm just enjoying doing similar things, but uh, serving with great Americans that are are civilians versus being military. Mm -hmm. And so tell us about that transition from military to healthcare. Yeah, well, what happened as a young infantryman, when I was an enlisted soldier, I used to run with our medical officer for physical training. We call it PT, so it's basically working out and it's something you do in the army usually every day at 6:30 a.m. <laughs> and he started talking to me about how he got into the healthcare side of of the army and it got me interested and so when I went back to school and did ROTC everybody wanted me to go back in as an infantry officer cuz I was already an infantryman and mm-hmm. so it was a natural progression Mm-hmm. And I was I was pretty good at being an infantryman. I could carry a hundred pound rucksack all day long. I could fire a weapon well. Um, I was 180 pounds, six feet in shape. But that's not what I was interested in. I really wanted something that I could bring to the outside, um, the civilian side. And so I decided to become a medical service corps officer, which is basically a healthcare leader in the army. I worked at a number of hospitals that are very similar on, on the military side to the civilian side. And it really prepared me when I got to my retirement time to transition fairly easily to the outside world, I'll call it. I imagine that um, that has served you well, your career in the military, and you've been able to apply all of those skills in one way or another to what you do now. And um, let's get into some of the fun questions now. (laughs) Who's a professional role model of yours? A professional role model? (laughs) I've had a number of really, really good leaders over my career. And 
I could talk about a number of them, but I think Colonel Dave Bitterman, who was my last hospital commander, is what we call them, but essentially the CEO of the hospital, and I was his chief operating officer. And uh, Colonel Bitterman was a really strong leader. He was a different type of leader, though, unlike what many people might think an army leader would be. He was more of of a soft approach type leader Um, which taught me, coming from the infantry world, of maybe not being as soft of an approach type leader, that that can be just as effective. And one of the things, he taught me a couple of things, but one of the things that um, I always remember is when I first started, this is before we were electronic and everything, so I really did have an inbox with a lot of paperwork coming every day. Now a lot of things are coming by email. And he said to me, Art, you need to keep your inbox moving. He said, because people are relying on you to help them make decisions or make decisions which will allow them to do their jobs. And so that has really helped me, which I never would have thought previously, be successful as a leader or one of my successes as a leader because I don't delay much. I stay on top of things because many of you will come to me wanting help and if I slow things up and then you're just waiting for me to make a decision. And analysis paralysis does not help an organization, especially (laughs) in my role. And so he taught me that, but he also taught me uh, more so uh, in an area that's probably the most important. If you take care of your people, they will take care of you in the mission. Mm. And that's something I've always tried to do to the best of my ability. It's so important. And um, what's one of your favorite uh, quotes or mantras? One of my favorite, the one that, you know, oftentimes I have to go back and, and look up different quotes that I like because they're on the longer side. But um, General Colin Powell, who was one of our great generals during my era of being in the Army, used to say and is quoted as saying, and I'm paraphrasing and probably butchering a little bit, (laughs) he said something to the effect of, and I have used this many times, get to a 70% solution and then make a decision as a leader. And that that has to do with the analysis paralysis part. And what he's saying, if you wait to get to 90%, you're probably going to miss the boat maybe even 80%. And he's not saying be a maverick and don't try to get the facts and assumptions. But at some point, you're going to have to make a decision to the best of your ability for your organization. And that's what the what being a leader is, mm-hmm. is taking some risks, some calculated risks, making a decision and then owning it. Sometimes it's, it's not going to be the right decision. And that's the scary part for people, especially new leaders. They want things to be perfect. We do not live in a perfect world. None of us are perfect. And I always say to these young leaders and others that are questioning, well, what if we get it wrong? I say, well, what we always do, we adjust, we pivot, and we keep moving forward. And so I really like that quote because um, it, it really speaks to what being a leader is all about is making tough decisions at tough times um, for the best uh, of your organization and the people that you're leading. Mm -hmm. So what do you like to do in your spare time? Um, Nothing. I just hang out at the house and (laughs) 
and watch YouTube. You don't YouTube. have time to read anymore. I don't have time to read anymore, and um, I I do nothing. No, I I am. I, I know you know what I, I like to do on my free time. Mm-hmm. I like spending time with friends and families. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like going out to eat at different places, enjoying good food and good drink. Um, I love my career, but I also have something that's mine. Mm-hmm. And for the last 20 years, I've been very much into competing as a triathlete. And so that's swimming, biking, and running. And that's just something that uh, I learned to do in 1999 and have continued doing up to uh, current day. And, and I enjoy the competition. It, it's what keeps me young in many ways. And I can't see me stopping anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what are you looking forward to most when it comes to triathlons? Is there something you're preparing for in the near future? Well, knowing that I was coming out here and knowing that... Uh, my daughter, our daughter lives in Fort Lewis, Washington. There's a race, a half Ironman, which is 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, and a half marathon run near uh, Seattle area, Maple Valley. Uh, I'm gonna go do that race in mid, mid-September. Really what I enjoy doing is I like putting a plan together to try to be as fast and as competitive as I can be, and then execute that training plan and then go and compete against some of the best athletes in the country, sometimes in the world, and seeing where, where I place among them. And sometimes I place really high, and sometimes I crash and burn. And, and in this sport, everybody crashes and burns at, at some point, but that's the fun of it for me, is that challenge, that competition. And when you do really well in a race, or, or win your age group, or win a, an overall race, which I've done in my earlier years when I was a little bit faster, uh, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's really fun and enjoyable to, to get to that success. And so the other thing is it's kept me young in the sense I'm um, healthy. Mm-hmm. Just had my checkup with uh, my new primary care physician and uh, other than my knee not quite being 100% about a week ago, I think it's 100% now, I was, uh, I was really healthy. And so, yeah, that's what I like to do um, during my free time. And uh, we also like going to different places that we've never been before. Traveling. So, yeah, mm-hmm. traveling is fun for us. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about the Grand Canyon. So right when the pandemic started i started watching a lot of youtube because i was on my trainer my bicycle and and inside Mm -hmm. i didn't do a lot of outside uh, working out because we weren't interacting with too many people if everybody remembers back then uh, which i'm trying to forget that part of the pandemic Um, and i saw these guys in a video running the grand canyon and I always thought in order to run the Grand Canyon, so go down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and run across that you would need a guide, but you don't. You could just do it on your own. Wow. And so I started training for it. And then um, because of everything going on with the pandemic, I, I stopped. And then earlier this year, I decided to start training again for it and go run 
the Grand Canyon. And so it's called Rim to Rim to Rim. And it's this, you, run, you go to the South Rim, you run to the North Rim, you turn around and run to the South Rim again. And so I was hoping to do it in 12 hours. But what happened is I got about five miles from the, I started at 2.30 in the morning by myself. My wife dropped me off and went back to the hotel. And I started running at about three. Uh, about five miles from the North Rim, I couldn't go any further because the trail was gone because of avalanches. And so there, there was no way I was going to do it. And then come to find out, they, they actually, they, the Grand Canyon administrative folks, had put on the website that they have closed down the last five miles. Oh. And so I was 10 miles short. I ran about 30 miles total in about uh, just over 10 hours. And so I guess I'm going to have to train up again and go do this and get that last 10 miles. And so that's just been a bucket list for me, mm -hmm. but I can tell you it was one of the, the funnest days of my life, even though I was by myself, but I was in the Grand Canyon and it was awesome. And so looking forward to going back there and conquering the entire run sometime in the near future. Well, that's very inspirational to say the least. Um, it's time to wrap up Good Health today. Art, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? Well, the only thing right now that comes to mind is it's just a pleasure uh, to be here and be part of this team at Good Shepherd and be part of this community. I've, I've talked at nauseum at different meetings about going to the rodeo on uh, Friday and Saturday night, two weekends ago. And what I was say uh, among the, the athletes there, the, the cowboys and cowgirls out there, were truly amazing mm -hmm. and in addition to that it was truly two of the most patriotic events that this old army guy has ever been a part of neat and uh i i can't wait to bring my wife here to to go to one in the future to be able to witness that and the respect that this community and, and these people have for our flag uh, for our first responders for our military is the highest that I've witnessed uh, since I've been an adult. And quite frankly, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to be in a place like this. And so feel really honored to, to be part of the Good Shepherd team in this community. Thank you. We're so happy to have you, Art, you and your family. Thank you so much for choosing us and choosing this community to serve in. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. And we're excited to continue serving this great community under Art Matheson's leadership as we strive to fulfill the healthcare system's mission, which is to improve the health of our community. So thank you, Art. You're welcome. <laughs> Again, this is Good Health, and we invite you to visit our website for more information. It's at www.gshealth.org or our Facebook page, where we will post a podcast of today's interview with Art very soon. This is Good Health, brought to you by Good Shepherd Healthcare System in the KOHU studio. Thank you for joining us, and be well.